Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and uh, good weekend to those who observe the weekend, as a weekend should be observed by you normal humans. That's when you're finishing up from work and you go home and you go and do sorts of other things. Um, so I always, I always had a confusion with uh, the weekend. Is Sunday the end of the week or the beginning of the week? It's, you know, it's a day of rest, so it's more of the end of the week. So Monday would be the beginning of the week, right? But it depends on what your culture is, right? You know, on if your Sabbath is on a Saturday, that could be the end of the week or Friday or Thursday, whatever. It's just the thing. And then you throw in a holiday and... A Monday holiday here in the United States is it is it the beginning of the week? You're beginning on the you don't begin on the holiday, and then Tuesday's the beginning of the week. So I always tell people, you know, we always say, "Hey, happy Friday!" And I said, "Well, my Friday's actually a Thursday. My Saturday's actually a Friday, which makes my Monday Tuesday, Saturday Sunday." Yeah, I talk a lot. Obviously, I have a podcast that I host myself. It's the Keys Bartender. Speaking of that, there's one of the things I get I get in a lot of trouble with people because I do a lot of stream of consciousness. Not so much on the podcast, but in person when there's a distraction. I think I'm attempting to play devil's advocate, give a balanced view sometimes when people are all going one way. I didn't want to just, you know, jump on the boat when you agree with them and say, you know, Vegetables, fresh vegetables are much better for you than canned vegetables, you know. And I'm, well, yeah, that's who, who couldn't not agree with that. But then again, I go and say, well, if you're if you're going to hoard something, you got to hoard canned vegetables, not fresh vegetables, because you have to can them in order to hoard them. Otherwise, you're just going to have rotting vegetables. That's the kind of shit. I say, and I usually say, I say a lot about contests too. Down here in the Keys, they, and I'm sure in a lot of different places where they have uh, a chamber of commerce and a newspaper and advertise, especially uh, tourist destinations. I'm not exactly sure if they do them in every tourist destination, but I'm sure they do it a lot. And here they do the best of, the best of. And they did it in Philly, too, the best pizza in Philadelphia, the best cheesesteak. Down here, it's the best you know, restaurants, the best bars, the best... And they do the same thing, you know, but they do key lime pie, best key lime pie, best mahi sandwich or fish sandwich, things like that. Well, a lot of it is self-promotion, if you think about it, when... You, you go and compete in these things so you can get a plaque and you can put it up, win best of. And they're uh, best quinoa pie, best soup, best appetizer, best this, runner-up. There's a million things. There's a million things. There's so many contests. There's Mr. Legs, and that's uh, one competition which a service sorority down here raises money, scholarship money, and they do a competition where they get 
uh, go into businesses and have a, an employee or the owner pose for Mr. Legs. And you take a picture of your legs and you vote depending on, you know, who's your favorite one, right? Oh, who do I have? Oh, spam. I love this phone sometimes. It tells you right away. You don't have to run to get it. So it's very distracting. Let me hang that up. Jeez. So lo and behold, it was Wednesday, the beginning of my week at the bar at least. And I get a phone call before I even start. I mean, five, ten minutes in. And it's from a periodical. And it said, uh, they said, is this Jim Horan? I said, yes, it is. Well, Jim Horan, you've been nominated one of the top three bartenders in, I think, either the Upper Keys or Key Largo. I think it's probably Upper Keys, maybe, or Key Largo. And the, um, I said, well, that's nice. Yeah, I'm trying to be, you know, act like it. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. Blah, blah, blah. Like, like that. And, and listen, I am not immune to accolades. Remember how I freaked out when I, you know, I heard that was number three bartending podcast in the United States. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, the employer knows who's a good employee. You don't need to give them an award from an outside entity to tell them they have a good employee or they have a good bartender or have a good server. And they have, uh, what they, they did call up and they asked if we wanted to advertise promoting it. And I said, oh, that's, it's just the feeling of it. I just felt so, it sounded so needy. You know, to ask, hey, can you put an ad in to promote me and praising me? Yeah. I've been down here 15 years. These guys have been bartending down here for 40 years. Right? So, yeah, and I've gotten bartender of the month or something like that, whatever, and been featured in, in the newspaper. There's not a lot of people down here. There's not a lot of people down here. It's like one of the small town things, small town phenomena, that the smaller it is, the, you, your your 15 minutes of fame maybe show up a little more. And when I say fame, it's only a local fame. It's not a nationwide. And uh, not that I would... Ex- uh, I hope I'd feel the same if I was nominated in the, in the top three of the United States. I don't think that's a possibility because I think they are... When people talk about bartenders, they talk about mixologists. They don't necessarily gauge the things I do and treat them as talents. There's, you know, a mixologist, they go and make, they make their cocktails, they'll make 20 different martinis. Well, I'm pretty quick at making mine, but uh, they do a lot of flair, a lot of things that are, you know, make up their own cocktails I've made up my own cocktails, too, and they're not super fancy. But I always viewed a mixologist as someone that created cocktails and created an experience. I think a bartender also creates an experience, but in certain places, you have to do a little more just to be a bartender. In our restaurant, 
We answer the phones. We take orders. We take uh, to-go orders. We have to uh, process payments by we everything's handwritten. Yes, if you're listening, we do not have a POS system. We do handwritten, and and sometimes it gets crowded. You get a lot of people. You got to keep track of it and just keeping track of it. I think that I don't think they weigh those things. So the things. I don't know necessarily what they're weighing a good bartender as. And I'm certainly not always happy, even though maybe I'm happier than some, not as happy as others. I get in my moods. So that can't be it. I'm pretty fast, but I'm, I know there's a couple people out there a lot faster than me. If I was a a gunfighter. And what was that movie with Gene Hackman and Sharon Stone and Leonardo DiCaprio and Russell Crowe? Oh, for the fast and the dead, the quick and the dead. I wouldn't have made it to the Leonardo DiCaprio, Gene Hackman, uh, Sharon Stone and Russell Crowe round. I would have been like the black bounty hunter. Okay? Or the guy with aces, the guy that got shot through the hand. The guy was always playing cards. Um, So I'm I'm not the fastest. I'm quick. Certainly quick. So I guess they're measuring a different way. And I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not comfortable lobbying for that. I remember in high school when I was running for student council, I put up a couple posters. I just think, hey, vote for Jim. And people go, who's Jim? I went to a school where the total, you know, between the girls and the boys, we were separated, but there were 2,200 guys and 2,200 girls. Now, I was only running student council 2,200 guys. And they did the weighted votes where the seniors got a full vote and the juniors got a half vote or something like that. And yeah, I think they did the weighted vote. Or juniors, they're electing for the next year, so it was juniors got a full vote, sophomores got a half vote, and freshmen got a quarter vote. Boy, that is not an emancipation of your, that's not a voter's emancipation there. You're giving someone a quarter vote. But the thing about winning a contest, they just started, I didn't know they had this contest before. And I, um, if I was working, let's say, if it was an Academy Award, yeah, that'd be nice. It seems like, a, what do you call it, a Lifetime Achievement Award when it comes to me. Not necessarily for anything particularly I did. You know, we better get them award. They're getting up there in age. You know? So, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, if, a win that that would be nice, but I I know it doesn't necessarily a win doesn't make me the best bartender in Key Largo. A win just means I won voting for best bartender in, in Key Largo or the upper keys. And that doesn't really put any anything it doesn't put put me in a higher status. It certainly wouldn't, I don't think it would really work with my 
persona that I've developed for the Keys bartender, which is I'm a Keys bartender, not the Keys bartender. But then again, it's just for the upper Keys, so or Key Largo, so I could still be, yeah, I'm just a Keys bartender, a Keys bartender. An everyday Joe. Just want to be there in the crowd. Even though here I'm not being really in the crowd when I'm doing here. But I I don't think I'd feel comfortable talking, you know, talking to people. They they came in. I think one guy was a bartender. He came in yesterday. He was a bartender at another restaurant. I didn't know. Don't you know who that is? I said, no, I don't drink. <laughs> I don't know who any of the new bartenders are or bartenders that have been around here. So leave it to leave it to that. Maybe if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, I won't win and I won't have to deal with it. But I think there's more there'll be more suffering than accolades that are to be earned with with this award. Moving on, I wanted to talk about drinks and making. I started talking about mixology and all that. Um the Moscow Mule. The down here, since we're in the tropics, uh, you, I guess a dark and stormy. A dark and stormy is a is a certain type of rum, Gosling's rum, and you kind of put ginger beer underneath, and you float the dark Gosling rum on the top. Sometimes people put a little lime in there too, and ginger beer is a non alcoholic prog product. It's just ginger beer. It's a unsweetened version of ginger ale, let's say. And you float that on top, and that's a dark and stormy. Now, we don't get a lot of people asking for that. Well, we get a lot of people, and plus, we don't carry Gosling, because we don't get a lot of people asking, are Moscow mules. And that's vodka with ginger beer, and a little lime juice, and a lime wedge. And they absolutely love that stuff. They love it. It's a non-sweet thing. And it's just one of those things, at least locally, that has really caught on here. And, you know, that happens so many times with certain drinks, how they take off. Uh, years ago, Tito's. Now, still Tito's is still up there. And then Deep Eddie's came around. It was just some vodka. You know, it's either Goose, this, Kettle, and... Cosmopolitans, I guess that was Sex in the City, that was nationwide. Then all these flavored martinis, kind of cocktails. But when you look at something in essence, the Moscow Mule. Now, I've never drank one because, you know, I stopped drinking a couple of years ago. But I like to, I did drink a lot of vodka before. And I have drinking ginger beer since drinking, drank. Drunk, but not having gotten drunk on ginger beer because ginger beer is not alcoholic, and it's very refreshing. And I have to go, wow, that probably would make a really good drink as long as it's and vodka. What is vodka really not mixed with? I mean, it's in, in, in they have cream and milk for white Russian, you have it with all the juices, you could probably do it with pumpkin juice, you probably do it with beet juice. Vodka is one of those things you put with anything. As, as, and somewhat less 
gin and rum. But vodka's right out there. It's kind of like a an all-purpose one. I never understood the people that like to drink flavored flavored vodkas in club soda, and then they come in and ask for a uh, a white claw, which is malt liquor in a club soda with food uh, food additive in it. You know, tasting like a cherry or a black cherry or mango or watermelon, whatever flavor they have, citrus. Because once you got the vodka in it, that's even a purer version of it because it's better distilled. It's a distilled process. It's a little healthier for you. I mean, I guess they would want to know if you're drinking the hard seltzer, you know exactly how many you can have without overdoing it. When it comes to mixed drinks, you never know how heavy your bartenders are pouring. But the Moscow Mule, hand it to me. Whenever you want to go out on a, a day you're, you're thirsty, if you're not going to go for like a vodka club, a Moscow Mule would make a right uh, choice many times. So try it. I'm going to take a little break right now and talk about our sponsor, the sponsor of the show, Key Largo Chocolates, or dare I say, Key Largo Chocolate and Ice Cream. Now, it's run by the Feeders, uh, Peter. I said Peterson, but I said Peterson family. Key Largo Chocolate is a favorite destination for locals and vacationers. They have uh, locations in Key Largo in the Isle Morada. Their main store is in Key Largo where they do all their um, production of their confections. And you'll find a, an assortment of handcrafted treats. There's 36 flavors of small batch ice cream, sorbettos, which is also another name for sorbet, truffles, fudge, like key lime fudge, cookies, and the world-renowned key lime pie and frozen key lime pie bars. And if you want to visit in person, you're you're welcome to. And it's a great place. That's where everyone stops when we're in the town. Right after they have uh, dinner or stop out, you take the family over there and get some ice cream. Or you can go by yourself and get some ice cream. And it's in Key Largo. It's at 10470 Overseas Highway in Key Largo, Bayside. And Oceanside, 81933 Overseas Highway, Isle Morada. Now, if you'd like to check out some of the wares and some of the things they do, they do keep catering and, and things like that. So if you need uh, you know, sweets for your special event you know, or if you need something sent to you. So check out www.keylargochocolates.com. And be sure to tell Rich and Brana, the owners, that the Keys bartenders sent you. Okay, we're getting back to it. What are we talking about? Oh, since we're at the bar, why don't we talk about the bar? So many times they're sitting at the bar. And it's a family restaurant. But the bar is alcohol. And every so often, in later afternoon, right around the happy hour, I have someone come in with a kid and they like sitting at the bar, but they want to come in with their their child. And some of the conversation isn't exactly... PG or PG-13. It's more R. Rarely ever gets to NC-17. It's more R that the conversation is. Uh, so they could be throwing out a couple expletives, 
Uh, there don't we don't go into sexual references that deep all the time. So that's not we're not those that kind of bar. We don't get really crude. We don't talk about anybody particularly crude, but we may allude to things, and you may start talking about condoms and all that stuff and 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 stuff. And when you have a kid there. You think, and there's a duality there. First of all, what are you doing bringing a kid to the bar? Now, before happy hour at lunchtime, it's a lunch counter. Yeah, there's some people that come in and have a couple beers and stuff like that. But before 3.30, you're pretty safe that we're not going to be talking about those things right around. But if after 3.30, 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, things are happening. Things are happening. People are making jokes, doing things. Uh, later, as the night gets later, people get a little more, less restrictive with their language or their in- inhibitions. So you may start hearing more of the sexual references. And some of them from women. Because we kind of rein in the guys. Because guys can get a little ha- hostile. You know, a little hostile. And sometimes the girls get kind of crazy. And you go, wait a second. Cool it. Cool it there. There'll be no, we're not going to be doing, you know, pulling that. You know, even though I don't have any, uh, I'm not a fading flower. I don't really care. Uh, Just because, you know, if you need to show me your boobs, show me your boobs and stuff like that. But, you know, we say, hey, check it out. You know, and all of a sudden someone's flashing. I've had that at, at this place once or twice. Not so much I had at my I worked at a nice restaurant. I've seen it there. But at the the place I used to work years ago, about 13 years ago, I had it all the time. I had all the time. Every weekend, someone was doing that. Just, I guess they're getting the keys and it's like, oh, this is a good idea. And you got to remember, you know, someone always has their camera out. Someone always has their camera out. It used to be, if you think about it, like 22 years ago, before they put cameras in phones. Before they put cameras in phones. You could probably get away with that and just say, nope, you, I didn't do that. And now, you just take a video and say, well, here's, here's Stacy. You know? Or some guy. But when it comes to language, I always tell, tell people, I say, listen, if you're bringing children here, they're going to be introduced to some things you may have to explain to them later on. And, you know, they come in and sit. They, You know, the bar could be crowded and they sit at, maybe they sit at one of the bar tables. They sit at a bar table and you can see some of these people just doing it. I said, I just wanted to bring my family in here. I said, well, yeah, there's another room off to the side. We have to do it. But then I go and say, you know, this crudeness, there, there's things you don't want to hear. You don't want to have kids have, be exposed to right away. It's up to their parents and stuff like that. But if that's the behavior that happens where you come in, you take them to a bar, then you probably heard a lot of this stuff before. Uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't church. And in church, you know, in church you can hear a lot of weird stuff too. Just give them a little more alcohol and see what happens. 
So I always strongly urge people, think twice before you go. If you if you got a comfort level for what you want your kids to know, and you don't want to be introduced to a concept that was foreign to them hitherto, them showing up at the bar, maybe you should sit in the main dining room sometimes. But otherwise, tally-ho, game is on. Your kids are going to hear some something not so much at our place like i said because you know we don't want a really hostile environment for anybody coming especially strangers coming there you can see them people go do you have to use that word and they go no we don't have to use that word but it's used here and if you're you know if you're you're a a little fragile around rough language sitting at that particular bar may not be the right place for you. And there's some nice parts where they got rough language too. Lastly, I'm going to wrap it up with just a couple months ago. You're starting to see, we're starting to see indications that the um, market for employment, the employment market is not an employee weighted one. Now the employers are starting, starting to tighten up now. We don't know if those jobs disappeared or actually got filled up or anything like that. But the next time something like that happens, we're on the verge. When I say the verge, verge of a revolution when it comes to workers. When I say revolution, I'm not talking about socialist revolution. I'm talking about automation. One of our one of our show um, one of our shows one of our local restaurants adopted um, a lease server, a robot server. When I say lease, it's that you lease uh, these robots and they, they, you just load the plates on it and take it to the table that you're, you're being served. So it gives your server, your human server, the option of taking orders. And I think these new robot servers were pretty much moving uh, food trays also are taking payment. So they're they're adding capabilities to them, so they're only going to get better as time goes on. So it's just a level of aggravation. If you think about it, as an employer, you're thinking, well, no, no, I really need a person to do this. I really need a person. Eventually, there will be you don't necessarily need a robot bartender. You can get a machine that you load, let's say, um, 90%, you know, a bunch of bottles in it. You know, a bunch of bottles. You load about 10 bottles in the machine and you load mixers. And the machine just can be programmed to pour whatever amounts into the right glass and drop the ice and the mixer, and maybe a garnish. Who knows? They may have a garnish set up, kind of like one of those reverse little uh, crane games that you have where it comes down and puts it in your glass. They can pretty much do, they do it on cruise ships where you can go up and order, you can get a drink from a machine. When I say not a machine, not a vending machine, a machine that will mix you a drink. And those capabilities only get better. The only time I see them as being insufficient is having access to all the bottles. And they'll figure that out eventually too. They'll just put a special 
topper on these bottles and they can just put them in in a, a rack or whatever and they can pull it whatever one they need at the time and make it there. And that's the bartender. And the servers are going to get a lot better. And eventually, uh, cooks, they're saying robots are making fries at some McDonald's locations. Uh, there's, there's, Everyone thinks they're irreplaceable. That's the, the fallacy of looking into the future, that people are irreplaceable. If they were irreplaceable, people wouldn't be working so hard to replace them. Now, if there were so many people, we got so many people, and there's so many companies that are uh, Boston, Boston Scientific or Boston Robotics. I think that's a, I think it's a subsidiary of one of the Japanese automotive ones. And then you have Tesla's building uh, a humanoid robot. And yeah, they're clumsy, but they're bipedal right now, and they can walk on their own. They walk slowly. And all is it. All it is is a matter of time before they get it. You got the um, four-legged robots. They're not necessarily dogs, but they use them for they they outfit them with combat uh, gear, you know, with guns, surveillance gear. I mean, drones are robots. But once you start getting the hands down, once they figure out how to get the hands working and more exact be able to pick things up. Uh, that's, and to get the price. And let's say the price, they say in the price for Tesla, they're talking the humanoid road, 20,000. 20, I mean, 20,000. That's not, that's not that expensive. But, you know, they always overrun that. They always said they were going to make a car that for 30,000 and the current Model 3 is the cheapest one is 38. So they're always cost overruns. But once they get, if you get a robot that's somewhat capable and under a year's salary, under a year's salary, because think about it, a year's salary for someone that works 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, that's giving them two weeks vacation. Maybe um, maybe only 48 weeks if you factor in all the, all the holidays. You can have this, so 40 hours a week, less than, which is it, 2,000, 2,000 hours a year. 2,000 hours a year. You could work a robot, you know, except for charging and stuff like that. You probably work them up to, you know, 24 hours, no problem, until they, 24 hours, where robot's not going to ask for a, a break. It needs a break, maybe the charge, if they're not hooked up, the power. And you're saying, well, it's not even close yet, but it's on its way. And the more demand there are, where there is a demand now, if you think about it, there's a demand for dishwashers and things like that. Dishwashers are automated, but the only problem is you got to be able to take the plates out and put them away and carry them and put them someplace. But they're working on it. They're working on it. They used to have just the arm, you know, you just have the thing and the arm, it comes down, picks it up, does this, moves it there, you know, not, maybe not as fast. We always kind of lionize the people that beat robots, like Gary Gasparov, Kasparov, the um, chess master, 
who beat uh, the computers early on. I don't think you can beat a computer anymore playing chess. But early on, relying on or going further back, John Henry, who was uh, a railroad worker in the 1800s, a, a myth of John Henry, an African-American who beat a steam hammer cutting through a mountain. But at the end, I think John Henry died. Right? And steam hammers got a lot better. There's no there's no thing now where someone's going to beat a mechanical a shoveling unit or drilling unit or anything like that. There is none. There is not, unless they have a tool themselves. But but right now we're right on the cusp. They say, well, I'm a lot better I'm a bar, better bartender than a robot bartender, but who knows in five years? You know? Z4500 and dash 32L, the name of the robot bartender that replaces me in five years, will be your new best bartender in the Florida Keys. Because you know what? He never gets hung over. He never takes a day off. And he never bleeds. Think Terminator. Well, I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Key Largo Chocolates. Remember, www.keylargochocolates.com here in Key Largo and also in Isle Morada. I'd like to thank for the sponsorship. I'd like to thank you for your listenership, and I'll be back again soon. Thank you. Goodbye.